When you're not being assertive, you don't at all have to worry about ever being wrong. Being quiet and not participating in the meeting protects you from the experience of being wrong. That's part of the reason assertiveness is so difficult. In order to be more assertive, we have to be willing to face our fear of being quote unquote wrong. Even though these things are scary, even though they feel uncomfortable, it is the scary, uncomfortable things that are the biggest needle movers when it comes to your self-confidence. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik. And my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the show and welcome to part three of my three-part series on assertive communication and developing a more assertive leadership and communication style. And actually, (laughs) what started as a three-part series has now become a four-part series because I'm going to do a final episode to this series where I summarize the benefits that you'll experience when you adopt a more assertive communication style. Because the truth is, and you might have seen this and experienced this listening to this episode series, the truth is being more assertive is hard. It's not an easy thing. If it was really easy, you probably wouldn't be getting stuck in it. And me and so many other women probably wouldn't get stuck in it. The reason that we struggle with it and grapple with it and get stuck, even though we really want to be more powerful and want to be more assertive, is because it's difficult. It requires us to step into the spotlight, to share our thoughts, to make our opinions known, to put ourselves out there. And these are really difficult things. And I really want to motivate you to want to put in the work, to want to do the difficult things, to want to develop this capability within yourself, because I want you to see how much it's going to benefit your career. And so in part four, I'm going to do one last episode to this series, a bit of a bonus episode on all the benefits and why it's worth it and everything that you gain when you muster the courage to be more assertive and to have that strong, assertive leadership voice in the room. But in today's episode, I'm tackling the third and final obstacle that I want to talk about that gets in the way of assertive communication, which is the fear of being wrong. The fear of being assertive, sharing your thoughts in the room, having an opinion, being part of the conversation, and sharing something that turns out to be incorrect. And this is a fear that comes up so, so, so often, right? Because as soon as you think to yourself, okay, I'm going to share my voice more, I'm going to be more assertive, all of a sudden you have to worry about and grapple with this question of, well, what if I'm assertive and I share thoughts and I take on more of a leadership role in the room and I say something wrong? What then? Right? Because when you're hiding and when you're not being assertive, you don't at all have to worry about ever being wrong. Being quiet and not participating in the meeting protects you from the experience of being wrong. That's part of the reason assertiveness is so difficult is because in order to be more assertive, 
we have to be willing to face our fear of being quote unquote wrong. Now, when it comes to the fear of saying the wrong thing or saying something that's incorrect, there are really only two ways that you can approach this. And I'm going to argue that you should approach it in the more radical, bold, and audacious way. So when we're afraid of saying something wrong or doing something wrong or doing it wrong, whenever we have that fear, we have to make a choice and we have to decide, are we solving for always being correct or are we solving for maximizing our impact? Because the truth is those two things are at odds with one another. If you are never willing to be wrong, you are not maximizing your impact. This is something that I will often share with clients when I'm working with them and they start being more vocal and they start being more assertive. And what typically happens is they get a lot of good feedback and then occasionally, once in a while, they'll share something that turns out to be incorrect or they'll be assertive and share a perspective, and maybe people in the room go in another direction. And often, they will have a thought that they're doing it wrong, that they did it wrong. And my thought is, if you are never sharing something quote-unquote wrong, you're doing it wrong. Because the goal is not to only share the right thing. The goal is to maximize your impact. And you maximize your impact when you don't filter what it is you're going to say. And when you're willing to share one or two or three wrong ideas for every 10 or 20 or 30 correct ideas that you generate. So if you are never sharing anything that people disagree with and you are never sharing anything wrong, I would not say that you are likely showing up as a powerful leader in your role. That is a sign that you aren't taking enough risks. That is a sign that you're playing it too safe and you're not having as big an impact as you could. Because if you're always getting it right, what it means is you're contributing what's safe, what is known, what is understood. It means you're filtering out all of your most interesting, innovative ideas. And with your interesting, innovative ideas, or maybe it's just your ideas that no one else is seeing, right? But when you're filtering out those less obvious ideas, you're filtering out ideas that are winners and ideas that are losers. There's no way to maximize your impact, to be super innovative, and to really contribute things that other people aren't thinking about. There's no way to do that and always hit a home run. It's just not possible. It reminds me of something a manager once told me when I worked at McKinsey, my first ever job in the nine to five space, the job that <laughs> triggered my imposter syndrome to blow up to epic proportions and the job that really sort of kicked off my career and kicked off my struggles with self-confidence and all of the obstacles I worked through was when I worked at McKinsey. And I remember I had a manager there that said something to me that was so thought-provoking. And you may or may not know this, but when you work at McKinsey, you travel almost every single week. So when I worked at McKinsey, I was spending a lot of time going to and from the airport. You would wake up super early Monday morning, catch a flight to wherever your client was based. 
you'd stay there all week and then you'd come home. I was living in New York City, so I'd come back to New York on Thursday evening. So I spent a lot of time going to the airport, (laughs) sitting at the airport, boarding flights, and all of that stuff. And I remember I had a manager who said many thought-provoking things to me, but one of the things he said that I thought was really interesting that stuck with me was, he said, if you've never missed a flight before, that's not something to brag about. Because if you've never missed a flight, it means that you're wasting too much of your life at the airport. And if you occasionally miss a flight, what it means is you're really optimizing your time because you're not getting to the airport overly early just to avoid ever missing a flight. And that kind of broke my brain a little bit because I always thought about missing your flight as a bad thing. And listen, I don't think I've ever actually missed a flight and I really don't want to, (laughs) but that's not the point of what he shared. The point of what he shared is that sometimes the metric that we're using to define success isn't as foolproof as we think it is, right? So in the case of flights, if it's really important for me to use my time effectively, I should occasionally miss a flight because I should be cutting it close enough that I'm not wasting a lot of time at the airport waiting for my flight to board. And as I cut it closer and closer and I waste less and less buffer time at the airport waiting for my flight to board, I also increase my likelihood of missing my flight. Now, missing my flight might seem like a bad thing, but when I zoom out and I look at the bigger picture, I can see that I saved maybe like 16 hours of time that I would have wasted at the airport, right? Now, of course, that assumes that what is most important to me is to use my time effectively. But if that is the case, then never missing a flight doesn't always mean that I'm doing it quote unquote right. This is also how I think about right and wrong ideas and sharing the right thing versus sharing the wrong thing. If you're only ever sharing correct ideas, it is as if you are always getting to the airport two hours too early because you're terrified of missing your flight. And what's happening is you're putting too much time, you're wasting too much of your life at the airport. Similarly, if you're only ever sharing correct ideas, you're being very, very risk averse. And what you're saying is, I'm so scared of getting it wrong that I'm going to really narrow what I'm willing to offer so that I know that it's right. And so you never experience the negative consequence of sharing something wrong, but you also don't experience the positive consequence of being a leader and an innovator and a thought leader in the room. If you want to be a thought leader, And if you want to expand and grow in your career, that is going to require you to express quote-unquote wrong ideas. Now, I want to remind you of a couple of things. Just because I'm saying that you should get comfortable saying the quote-unquote wrong thing, I'm not saying that everything you contribute is going to be wrong, right? That's not the goal. (laughs) The goal is to contribute valuable thoughts. What I am saying, though, is that if you want to be more assertive and you want to have a bigger impact, it doesn't serve you to aim for 100% correctness. It serves you to allow a little bit of a margin for error so that you are not overly filtering and narrowing and restricting the things that you share. So that's the first thing that I want to share about the fear of being wrong. The second thing that I want to share about the fear of being wrong, and this is in response to something my clients ask me all of the time. Whenever I'm coaching them 
on this or whenever I'm coaching them on any sort of topic where I'm encouraging them to be a bit messier, to take risks, to know that it's okay not to get it perfect, whenever that comes up, I almost always will get some form of a question, which it makes total sense, but I will get asked like, I don't want to look bad at work. I don't want to contribute wrong things at work. Like I want to look good. And what's so important when it comes to this idea of being willing to assert yourself, even if the thing that you share turns out to be quote unquote wrong, what's so important about this is to remember that there are different levels of precision and accuracy required based on the context of the situation that you're in. And if you're in a situation where there's a really high bar and things need to be perfect and precise and correct, then maybe you don't want to share something quote unquote wrong, but you want to make sure you're not applying a standard of correctness and precision that is inappropriate for the situation that you're in. So the easiest way for me to explain this is by example. If you are working on a press release about your company that is going to be shared publicly with the entire world, and that press release is going to contain a description of your company's strategy over the next 12 months, it is very important that you don't put the wrong strategy in that press release. The bar for accuracy and the bar for quote-unquote correctness is really high because that press release is going out to the public as a final deliverable. So in that situation, it would make a lot of sense to be more conservative and make sure that what you're sharing is correct. That being said, what happens with a lot of people is they're in a work conversation and they're talking about a project or a piece of work that is in process. So they're not talking about a deliverable that's going to go out to the public They're not talking about like the final, final draft of something. They're literally in a room with their boss, with their colleagues, talking about something that is happening and being worked on in real time. And if something's being worked on in real time, we don't want to apply a super high standard of precision and accuracy and correctness because that standard is not appropriate for the stage at which this piece of work is at. So here's a really, really good example of this. This is the perfect example of this. You get asked to do a project and it is not clearly scoped. You don't know exactly what your boss and leadership wants. You don't know how long they want you to spend on it. You don't know what they envision for it. You have no idea. Your next step in that situation is to assert how you think that project should go, to have the courage to put a stake in the ground and say, okay, my boss asked me to do this thing. It's super unclear, but I'm going to put together what I think it should be. I'm going to take my best swing at it, and then I'm going to put that in front of leadership. Now, often when a situation like this happens, people will get stuck and they'll spin and spin and spin because they want to do it correct. And they're so scared of doing it incorrectly, but they don't have enough information from their boss or leadership to know what it actually should look like. So they try to solve an unsolvable problem, which is to know what something should look like when that hasn't been decided. And they apply a very high level of accuracy and precision in a situation where that's inappropriate. So it's not appropriate at that phase of the work to aim to get it perfectly because 
you will waste a ton of time and you will not be able to get the project moving forward. What's appropriate in that situation is to do it quote unquote wrong. What's appropriate is to put your best guess forward and 50% of the time, you're going to scope that project and put together a proposal and your boss is going to say, this is great. This is exactly what I want. And 50% of the time, your boss is going to say, this isn't what I was envisioning. That doesn't mean that you did it wrong, right? The fact that you quote unquote put forth the wrong thing doesn't mean that you did it wrong. You did the correct thing by trying to move it forward because until you put something on paper, nothing is moving forward. So you need to take your best guess and trust your judgment and also know that this is a continuous iterative process. It's not like once you put something on the slide, it can never change. And this is why people who are highly flexible and highly adaptable create a lot of success in a corporate environment because they recognize that they can just get something moving and apply their best guess to help move it forward. And this is the same mentality that I want you to have when you're in conversations with your boss, with leadership, and you're wanting to assert your opinion and you're wanting to assert a direction and you don't know 100% if it's right or wrong. What I want to offer to you in that situation is that that's okay. And your goal isn't to make sure that it's right. Your goal, just like kicking off that messy project, your goal should just be to help move it forward with what you know. And yes, that can feel really scary. It's really scary to go off of what you think and what you know. But what's scarier, in my opinion, is to plateau in your career and feel unfulfilled and not good about yourself because you're hiding when really you want to be taking on more leadership. And the truth is, most of what good leadership is, is the ability to be uncomfortable, the ability to share a suggestion without knowing if it's going to be right or if it's going to be perfect, but sharing it because you know that putting it out there is going to help you and the people around you develop their ideas and develop this piece of work further. Leadership is about your willingness to take on that scariness and to take on that discomfort. But the thing is, and what I'm going to talk about in part four, is it's not like you're doing that for nothing. And it's not like you're doing that for no reward. The reward is your confidence is going to grow because you're going to see how strong and resilient you are. The reward is your reputation is going to grow because people are going to see you acting like a leader and you don't have to get everything right all the time to develop that reputation. People just want to see that you're there to push things forward. And your career is going to grow. You're going to create a bigger impact and you're going to advance more quickly in your company. So if you're afraid of saying the wrong thing and the fear of saying the wrong thing is preventing you from being assertive, I just want to offer that the goal is not to always say the right thing and that you actually don't have to worry about saying the wrong thing every once in a while because unless you're working on something that's at its final draft and requires a ton of precision, all you want to do is move things forward in the best way that you are able to with the skill set and information you have. That's literally what leadership is. It's being able to say, okay, I don't know everything. This isn't perfect. I don't have every single little piece of information, but I'm just going to get this moving in the right direction and I'm going to course correct as I go. You have to be willing to do that, not just with your work and with your execution, but you have to be willing to do that live in scary, messy conversations with other people at your company. And what you're going to realize the more you do it is that the only person expecting you to be right all of the time was you. And the more you contribute, you're going to contribute things that are right 
And you're going to see how helpful that is. And you're going to contribute things that are quote-unquote wrong. And you're going to see that everything's fine. And the world didn't stop turning. And things are continuing to move forward. And as you accumulate those experiences, you're going to see that the pressure that you were putting on yourself was too big compared to what's required of the situation. You have to have that flexibility to be able to figure out what to contribute and what to say and what to add, even when you don't have picture-perfect context, understanding, or information. You form your understanding by having an opinion. It's an iterative process. And I think our schooling system really messes with this because our schooling system teaches us you study and you study and you study and you learn and then you take the test. And that's not how it works in corporate. If you're studying and gathering information before you go out and tell people your ideas or before you put forth your proposal or before you assert yourself, you're slowing yourself down. What's much faster, like the way that corporate is, if we use the school analogy of studying for a test and then taking it, the way it works in corporate is you take the test, you score the test, you look at where you got it wrong, and you go back and you fix those questions after, and then you get an A. (laughs) So you don't get an A by showing up perfectly the first time. You get an A by being willing to take the test, get a C minus, go back, make the questions better, and then get an A+. That's literally how it works. There is no exam day. There is no final exam. There is no like hard deadline where you have to have all your knowledge ready to go. It's iterative. It's changing. It's evolving. And if you want to be part of that iterative, changing, evolving forward progress, you have to be willing to be wrong sometimes. Otherwise, you're going to be waiting forever to collect a foundation of knowledge that is impossible to sustain. It's just not going to work, especially as you advance into leadership and your position expands and you have to handle more ambiguity. You're never going to get to that point where you're like, I know everything and I know what's right and I know what's wrong and I feel like a walking encyclopedia because working in a company, in a business, that's not what it's about. It's not about knowledge gathering. It's about making decisions and iterating and improving along the way. So if you're afraid of saying the wrong thing and that prevents you from being assertive, I want you to embrace saying the wrong thing. And I actually want you to consider it a success metric over the next six to 12 months that you should contribute a handful of quote unquote wrong things. Because if you're doing that, I know that you are stepping up and you are leading. And so that brings us to the end of part three on the fear of sharing the wrong thing. And in part four, I'm going to talk about why it is so freaking worth it to face your fears, face the fear of being judged, face the fear of being inauthentic, face the fear of saying the wrong thing, why it is so worth it to do those things. Because the truth is, even though these things are scary, even though they feel uncomfortable, it is the scary, uncomfortable things that are the biggest needle movers when it comes to your self-confidence. We don't build self-confidence from doing things that are really, really easy. Well, we build a small amount of self-confidence from having easy little wins, but we build much more self-confidence from being willing to tackle things that are hard for us and that stretch us. And I really want you to see all of this discomfort and fear of being judged and all of these things as this massive growth opportunity 
and this massive catalyst to help you transform into that badass, unstoppable leader that you want to become. So stay tuned because that is coming in part four. And if you want more help on your mindset, if you want to grow your confidence and you want to feel unstoppable and like you're ready to be an assertive voice in the room and you're not going to let the fear of being judged or the fear of being wrong get in the way of you showing up like a leader and making a powerful impact, I can help you take this much deeper in my group program, The Art of Speaking Up Academy, where I will help you strengthen your mindset and grow your confidence so that you can embody that inner leader who isn't letting fear of judgment, fear of being wrong, perfectionism, get in the way of showing up big, taking up space, being assertive and having an impact. If you're ready to do that work and you want to experience the growth both in your confidence and your career path that comes as a result of learning to be a more effective, assertive voice in the room, I invite you to join the waitlist for the Art of Speaking Up Academy by heading to justguzzitcoaching.com slash academy or by clicking the link in the show notes. Once you join the waitlist, you're going to be the first to find out when there is a spot available in the next cohort. You are also going to get behind the scenes updates as well as tips and even a couple of free trainings to help you get started on your journey of developing an unstoppable voice that propels your career to greater heights. So you definitely want to add yourself to the Art of Speaking Up Academy waitlist and I will link it in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being a part of this. I so appreciate you sticking around and learning with me and I will catch you in the final part, part four. Bye.